10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Hello and welcome to Swansea and Twilight Show with me, Nathan. And tonight we're joined by musician and music educator, Gary Cunningham. We're going to be talking music for life. What does good music education look like? What instruments should children be learning? And what songs should be on the curriculum? We've got it all tonight. Tune in, talk it out, off we go. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea, welcome to The Twilight Show on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Nathan Ginn. And I'm looking out the window and we have not yet, I saw people tweeting about this, that you know, that the days are getting uh, longer again, we, you know, the evenings are getting lighter. We've not yet hit that magif- magical time that we get twice a year where The Twilight Show is on actually at twilight. It's, it's actually still dark outside. Uh, we don't bother changing the name, it's still The Twilight Show. It, uh, we're still in the dark days of winter though here and I have even had it's very rare we had snow in Swansea uh, yesterday which rarely ever happens it, you know we are in winter but in these dark days of winter we are going to be talking about music what that passion for musical education for music in the curriculum what should it be like what should it look like and what should teachers be doing to help it now as i said in the introduction i'm joined by gary cunningham who's a musician and musical educator i'm just going to see if we've got him on the line gary are you with us hello nathan can you hear me yeah you're coming through just a little bit louder if you're possible a little bit closer to that mic uh, but you're coming through better Yep, that's perfect. You're coming through nice and clear for us there. Um, So welcome to uh, Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and well, you know, I think, you know, what we'd like to do, I think what would be great for everyone is if we start off, I'm going to pry a little bit into you as a person, first of all. And I think when we start talking about music uh, education, and I might have a few questions around this as we go on, just about I think there's some personal talent that teachers might have or personal skill. Maybe we can discuss that as well. But when it comes to their confidence in teaching music. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, sort of what you currently do and and how you got into it. So I'm currently a trainee music teacher at Stantonbury School in Milton Keynes. Um, Been there for eight months now. It's been an absolute journey. I've loved every second. Uh, but before I, um, well, I always knew I wanted to be a music teacher, but before I had the chance to do that and make that make that a reality, I actually spent a lot of time on tour with various different bands um, throughout, throughout my first few years. And then when COVID hit, I remember I was booked on two tours. So I had, I said to my friends, right, one more year on the road and I'm done. And of course they all laughed because they didn't believe a word I was saying. Um, and then covid hit and i remember i was teaching a piano lesson a one-to-one piano lesson and every gig kept getting cancelled one after the other and i was like right well that's it no more no more touring time to focus on the teaching side of things 
<coughs> excuse me um so i did a lot of supply teaching to get my experience up and live born and bred in Essex, as you can probably tell from my accent um and then moved up to uh luton quite recently but well two years ago and then ended up getting a job at Embry. so yeah and now we are here and i'm enjoying every second of being a music teacher for sure okay so i'm gonna unpick a little bit you've dropped a few kind of clues now i'm gonna pull on these threads at the moment so uh, one of the things you talked about a little bit there was about your um sort of own musical ability so what were you always musical? Did you have music less lessons? And I, by that, I mean tuition yourself. Were you one of these people who are self-taught? What was your own kind of musical journey? So this is a really, I love telling the story because it, it makes everyone makes everyone laugh. So I've been playing piano since I was four. Um, I've always been interested in music because my mum used to take me to like baby, you know those toddler baby music classes you can get? My mum my yeah. took me to those. Not that I remember that, obviously, because I was far too young. Um, but and then my granddad gave me a keyboard just for Christmas because he, he got it for Christmas and I really liked it and of course a granddad gives a grandchild whatever they want um, so he said here you go have it until you get your own one and I had it I was really really grateful and everything and then um, one day I was laying in bed and I had the theme from Casualty on the TV and come down the next morning and somehow I was playing the theme note for note on the keyboard, my dad come into the room absolutely gobsmacked and turned to my mum and said, "We have to get this, we have to get our son music lessons." Like, um, so I was part of group tuition under a great uh, piano teacher named Tom Potton, um, and then he said to my mum and dad, "Look, Gary is is getting bored of the getting bored of the um, the group lessons, so I want to take him on one to one." Because it transpired that I could actually play by ear. Um, so I've always had a musical talent, I suppose, a musical gift, um, and then it sort of it sort of grew from a hobby into a job for a little while. So yeah, I hope that answered your question. I went on a bit of a tangent there. No, it does. You know, I find it really, really interesting, particularly when we talk about subjects such as maybe art, maybe languages, but definitely music as well. I think just kind of what where that comes from, where teachers who are passionate about it, kind of get that from. Now, the other bit I wanted to pick, pull apart, and I should say, if you are listening live in the Podbean studio, you can message us in, you can you can text us in. If you have any questions that you want to throw our way, you can, of course, call in. Um, we are live. You can tweet us at TT Radio Official on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram, all of those things. So you can join in the conversation, join in the chat. Now, the other bit that you talked a little bit about there, you've talked about it for yourself um, as a, a learner, but also you talked about as a teacher, was about this um, tuition. I'm, I'm going to use that word for it, but musical tuition. So you, you, you've you done a bit of one-to-one teaching, Um and, and you've received it yourself. But you've also done that kind of group teaching, whole class teaching. Is there much difference between that, like as a learner, as a teacher? Um, as a learner, uh, to be honest with you, Nathan, I can't really remember. I was so young, um, I can't remember what it was like really being in a group. It was Well, I can say I enjoyed it, but in terms of did it make a difference to my overall education, I couldn't really, couldn't really say. But as a teacher, oh my goodness, is there a difference? absolutely is there a difference um because when you want to run with a pupil um they want to be there 
they all want to be there. It's 110% guaranteed that they want to be there because they're obviously paying for the lesson. So everything you ask them to do, everything you want them to achieve, they will do and achieve. But as a secondary music teacher, of course, not every child wants to be in your lesson and not every child wants to follow instruction. And that can be a bit challenging at times. But um, I found that just watching the, I want to say, I don't want to say the naughty kid, but you know what, you know what I'm saying when I, when I say the naughty kid, mm. um, in my lessons, come to life almost and just have that freedom to experiment is really rewarding. And also, I have to say, the, ma- the biggest difference for me is the amount of noise <laughs> that is in my classroom in a group session. Um, I've learned to just zone out and just ignore it. And I can tell what kids are doing, what I'm asking them to do and what kids aren't. But I remember I explained to my dad what it was like and he just couldn't, he couldn't believe it. He was amazed that I could even work in that environment. Um, and, you know, sort of pulling on that you know, just a little bit more, I, I, you know, and then I promise I will stop delving so personally into your sort of early life. But so you were a talented uh, young musician, you're a talented learner, but you would have been going through an educational system where you would have been in class having music lessons with people who, you know, maybe had maybe had no musical experience or limited musical experience or limited talent. Um, what was your personal experience of that sort of as a, as, a, as a learning coming through? Were you bored in music lessons at school? Did you enjoy them? Um, was I bored? No, because I had a great music teacher at secondary school, particularly uh, Mr. Allen. Um, he would never allow me to be bored. Um, he was great because he could see that there were certain kids, including me, that had a gift for it. So he would set the others off on their little little basic tasks that they had to do. And he'd go, right, Gary and whoever, you guys are doing this instead. And it'd be more advanced and it'd it push us more. Um, also, the options to curricula within my school were amazing. Um, I was in the choir, I was in the jazz band, the rock band, you name it, I was there. Um, so I never got bored, but I did sometimes get a tad frustrated. I, I'm going to be honest, I did get frustrated sometimes because obviously the teacher would be at the front trying to deliver a lesson and the kids didn't want to learn, would try their very best to disrupt that class. So now as a teacher, <coughs> excuse me, I don't tolerate any of that so i just make sure that those that want to learn are in the lesson and doing what's asked and those that don't are sanctioned appropriately okay and so i, I, I you know my final uh, kind of question you know of this part is you mentioned there about sort of that 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 gift that talent and so you know this will come on to when we talk about curriculum when we talk about the fact that you know is music for all is music for everyone um do you think musical talent maybe isn't the right word musical ability is something that that really anyone can learn or is it uh, something innate that you're born with that's a tough question i know i mean yes and no (laughs) um i i I, i've seen kids at the start so at the start so this is my first time sort of taking on classes from the very beginning of the school year right up through to the end and every single class and every single year group in you say three you seven eight and nine that i taught i said put your hand up if you don't feel like you can do music 
and those that raise their hand, I said, I promise you now, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I have seen those children achieve something. Are they what we classify as talented? No. Is it as natural for them as it is for me? No. But are they able to play a little little bit of music on the glockenspiel, on the keyboard? Are they able to sing a little bit of a tune? Are they able to work in an ensemble? Yes. So is music as easily reachable for some as it is for others? No. But is it achievable? Can you be successful within those lessons with the right attitude and the right teacher and the right work and the right, you know, strategies put in place? Yes. Fantastic. No, I really, you know, I appreciate the answer. And I, I know we've been kind of put, started off with some probably quite hard questions there. So we'll, we'll just switch the, the, the kind of pace a little bit. And I know you've been talking a, a little bit from secondary. My background, if you're joining us as a listener, I, I, I was a primary school teacher for, for a long time. And also during that, I, I was covering lessons and, and surprised by that. You know, I don't know if this will surprise you, actually, Gary. But one of the things, two of the subjects I was always asked when covering teachers PPA and primary to cover were music and were um, modern foreign languages um, and for some reason they were something that teachers were very happy to to pass off on someone else but I thought if we started off by just talking a little bit about currently in education um, you know what do music lessons look like so you're you're in there at the moment in a uh, a school situation what kind of music education are we uh, are young people getting so at my school, um, I have to, you know, give a massive shout out to my head of department, uh, Andrew Cormican. He has devised an excellent curriculum um, for the students at the school. But if we're going to talk in a more broad sense, which I think is where you're sort of going, um, we try to focus the music learning around pop music, jazz, uh, gamelan, which is music from in- Indonesia, rap. Uh, film music so it's quite one if you ask me to describe the music education of, of, of today in one word it would well two words if you double, double barrel it well-rounded it's well-rounded mm-hmm. absolutely because we do our best to make sure we are giving our students the best most holistic experience of music education that you can get um, and we push them out of their comfort zone deliberately because Music also exposes students to different cultures, which is, of course, really, really important in today's society. So, yeah, well-rounded is the word I would use. And I would say, you know, in primary school still, I see a lot of, um, you know, that that breadth as well, sometimes tied into topics. You know, sometimes uh, primary schools, you know, their half-terms theme is maybe the Americas, their half-terms theme is maybe rainforest. They'll try and maybe tie it in there a little bit as well, but giving that breadth. Now, I wanted to pick apart as well, in primary schools, we'd be looking at young people maybe getting an hour a week of that that music lesson on the timetable is that something similar in secondary yes so our timetable is on an hour a week for music and most art subjects okay um and within those lessons then and i know you've described sort of you know uh, playing some glockenspiel you know uh, singing ensembles all of these different things what sort of activities are are the young people doing so we tend to get them to start 
on. So let's I'll take you through the year groups that I teach because that'll be the easiest thing to do rather than give a holistic yeah. view. So year sevens start off uh, with block and builds. Uh, year eights start off with keyboards. Year nines start off with keyboards. Um, every topic has some form of ensemble work within it. Every topic has some form of composition within it. Um, and every unit has some form of solo work within it. Um, year seven is about learning to read uh, basic sheet music and translate the sheet music onto the Glockenspiels. And then we build on those skills for eight and nine and then obviously beyond for GKC. Wow. And so, you know, we, we, we're talking about, you know, for anyone listening who's not a musician, we're talking about, you know, those those musical notes that we see on the on the bars that go across and, and children are reading that and translating it onto a, a, a piano or, or an instrument of some sort. That's correct. Yeah. OK, you know, so this is already outstripping probably some of uh, I'm trying to think back to my days, which was a long time ago. And, and, and you know, probably before a lot of curriculum reforms, I probably learned a little bit of that. I think I learned some of it because I had outside tuition for, a, you know, a couple of instruments or maybe a bit self-taught for stuff. But certainly it sounds like we're setting up, you know, reading music a fairly high bar there. Is it achievable? Are children at secondary school reading sheet music? Yes, they are. Um Funny <laughs> enough, they don't they don't think that they are sometimes, which is quite mm. funny. Um, obviously, a lot of the music has the notes underneath labelled, so they know what the notes are. But if you take if I take it away, like I have done with some of my higher higher um, higher students, they're fine, and they can tell me what notes are in the treble clef. They can t- in on, on the lines. They can tell me what notes are in the spaces. They can tell me what notes are in the bass clef. They can, if I told them to write me out a C major scale, some of the kids could do it. So, yeah, it's definitely achievable and it's definitely happening. Um, and, and I want to just pick apart there, just, you know, a, a thing that has jumped out to me there about the, the kind of instruments you're describing. Is is music easier then on something that's laid out uh, in the way... I'm trying to think how the, the uh, you know, my musical lingu- linguistics and language probably aren't going to be up to scratch for describing this. Something that's laid out like a keyboard, where the notes go up in order, as opposed to something like a guitar or a violin. Is that going to be easier? Absolutely. Much easier. Because they have it in front of them. And I can say, look at this. For example, for the keyboards, a lot of the kids don't quite know where the notes are, some of them. So I just get them a diagram and go, right, put it there and look, it matches up. And they have a go. Right, I'll take it away now. Off you go. And they can they can do it. And on the Glockenspiel, obviously, all the notes are labelled on the Glockenspiel anyway. Um, that's how it's designed. So the easiest way I, I explain to my year sevens about how to... how do they always say, so I don't understand how to play what's in front of me. What Like, how does it... Like, explain it simply in a, in a simpler way. And I say, right, match up the notes that you see to the notes you see on the Glockenspiel and hit the right note. So if you see a C note, hit a C. If you see an A, hit an A. And they can... On, on the Glockenspiels, you have C, you have A, B, and it's all labelled. They go, oh, yeah, and they're off. So, not, you know, a nice, simple, logical transposing that sheet music on, on, onto an instrument. That's, you know, it sounds uh, like 
that does sound easier than you know one of my first instruments was a guitar and that was incredibly complicated for me to and the violin was even even more complicated for me to really get my head around transferring those notes onto an instrument because I you know I'll put it out here for, for, for Gary and anyone listening I cannot hear music. I cannot hear if my guitar is out of tune. I am very much a formulaic. Um, I, you know, I have learned the chords, and if the chords are written down, I will make those chords, whether it sounds correct or not. Someone else will have to tell me if it sounds out of tune or not. I, you know, that that stage. But I get a lot of enjoyment from the music, um, from playing. Now we're teaching them how to play. Are we teaching them uh, also in those lessons how to enjoy music, how to understand? composition is is that a thing yeah so uh we make sure that whenever we start on a unit we play the children um an excerpt of say uh film music so my year sevens of before we broke up for christmas uh recently completed a unit on film music and i played them several different uh scores i played them harry potter i played them uh the batman uh michael giacchino composition the most recent one i played them uh, the battle from Harry Gregson Williams for the, the Chronicles of Narnia. And I would also do something where I'm going to play a scene, going to be no sound, and you're going to watch it. And then I'm going to play it back with the sound and the music. What's the biggest difference? And they, they go, oh, yeah, we, we know that it's a battle scene now, because not just because we can see them battling, but because of the music. Um, now that scene looks really intense, whereas before it was funny, or sometimes what I've done is put like a comedy track over a, a battle scene or a, a romance uh, track over a comedy scene and I go oh my god we're laughing so the biggest the biggest best example I can use is I use one of the scenes from Pirates of the Caribbean and mm. without fail when I played the comedy music over the Pirates of the Caribbean scene the kids were laughing and I said, there, there you go. You're naturally doing it. What's the difference? Oh, it's really funny. Why? Because the music is really jolly and silly. There we go. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 when it comes to then to, you know, the d- deliberate purpose there for those things, they're, they're doing a job. When it comes to pop music then, you know, I, I say pop music, maybe that's not the right term, but when it comes to sort of modern music, current music, do, do lyrics come into it as well? Are we unpicking um, those young people or is that more sort of the English department? Um, we tend to not, we've, well, we've not moved on to lyrics yet um, because, what, well, funnily enough, we're doing songwriting with Year 8 at the moment. Um, we will be looking at lyrics. Uh, but generally, we don't sort of sit there and analyse and unpick, oh, what does the singer mean when they sing this? That, as, okay. That's more an English type thing. Yeah, so it's more about those, those musical things. And, and, and yeah. within, you know, and I, you know, I'm stretching my, 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 um, my knowledge here, you know, to the limit. Because, um, so, you know, we've got different genres, different uh, types of music, different uh, effects of that music, different impacts and stuff and, and those kind of things. And we've got the, the notes and the musical reading. Um, are there, are there uh, techniques, you know, like I'm thinking in English, I would be talking about metaphors. In, uh, in, in maths, I would be talking about different sort of algorithms that we use. Um, in music, are we teaching about, I don't know, I'm going to try and pick a, a probably inappropriate musical word. Are we teaching about crescendos? Yes. Yeah, we we try to link key terms to everything we do. Uh, one of the key words we've been using a lot recently across all years is ostinato, which is short repeating patterns. Um, oh. And there's loads of keywords dotted around my classroom. 
and I go, what does this mean? They go, uh, and I just point, and I go, oh yeah, it's crescendo. What does it mean? It's, it's quieter, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, keywords are really important. And I've also started using, um, I don't know whether you, you've heard of it, but uh, the Freya model, uh, which is a way of, if you put the keyword in the center, and then you, in one box, you put like a non-example of the keyword. Mm. So if I was to take uh, crescendo, for example, as you've used, crescendo is not getting quieter. So that would be that guy in the box. Uh, the box next to it would be an example of it. It's getting louder. You know, it's so that's actually a focus at the moment is to improve the kids' understanding of key terms and using them properly. Yeah, no, I find it, you know, I find it really interesting. And one of the bits that I want to pick apart after this for anyone who's listening, when we when we switch around, once we, you know, Gary's helped me to understand, particularly at the secondary level there, where we are in education um, with music education, um, I, I want to unpick why. And, and that is, we you know, we'll shortly have a, a, a quick ad break to hear from a very important uh, uh, organisation that helps out no end here at Teachers Talk Radio. But um, I so we've talked about a lot of the different parts of the lesson bit, but I'm conscious to check in because, and this might be just, you know, your experience, your school, but you've talked a little bit as well about some of those, I would call them extracurricular. When I read through some of the government document, it's kind of an expected extracurricular element of learning. We've talked about playing piano. Is there opportunity within schools for young people, for example, to learn to play the guitar if they're interested or learn to play a wind instrument absolutely i mean the majority of secondary schools they have clubs they have uh peripatetic teachers come in peripatetic teachers are uh instrumental teachers so we have guitar teachers come in piano teachers um i run a rock band a jazz band a choir uh mr cormac and andrew runs the choir so there are lots of opportunities for kids who who don't necessarily work well in a classroom environment because they might be nervous and some of that they might not understand it to actually harness their musical ability absolutely fantastic now i think that set us in good stead. we understand where you're coming from we understand the current state of education um we are going to move on um in a second to talking about why teach music at all and I, I i should remind our listeners if you're listening live in the studio text in your thoughts um text in your questions you can tweet us at tt radio official on twitter as well i want to join this conversation live because we will be you know now we've set the groundwork we're getting to the nitty-gritty but before we do i just wanted to give a big shout out to one of our sponsors which is john cat publishing this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Live from Swansea. This is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Borodar Pab, 
Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show with me Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio and tonight we're joined by musician and music educator Gary Cunningham. We're talking about music for life, what does good music education look like, what instruments should children be learning and what songs should be on the curriculum in schools and we have hit the point in the school in the in the show in the school in the show where i am going to put post possibly the hardest question that i could ask so if you're listening live and want to join in with your thoughts on this i'm you know gary this question is for you why should we be learning music at all because it sounds hard it sounds like there's a lot going on what are young people getting from a music education so I actually love this question because I get this all the time from the kids. Oh, sir, why have we got to do this? And I, I say to them, look, music is one of those subjects that will essentially force you to work in a team. And being able to work in a team outside of school is vitally important in the wider world. It exposes you to different cultures that you might not necessarily um might not necessarily be exposed to in on your own it allows you to unlock a potential talent you didn't even know you had i've seen kids that didn't even know they were good at music suddenly become good at music within a year it gives you a chance to release your creativity gives you a chance to release your emotion gives you an outlet if you're struggling in school the music department it was my sanctuary as a kid still is now hence why i work there um and I just think it's one of those subjects that can can launch you into so many different areas and it unlocks the possibilities so much. It, it needs to be on the timetable, for, for, well, forever. Um, that's why. And I teach it because I absolutely love it and I would not be where I am without music education. I, I can't do anything else. I don't know who I am without it and I don't ever want to find out who I am without it. Now, you know, you, you talked very eloquently there about, you know, some of those things where it where it pays off um, the, the you know, the, the benefits, those, those ties to working in a team and such like, um, you know, does music itself, um, you know, that opportunity for creativity and enjoyment, do you see that coming through music lessons? Or is that something that maybe people dis- discover afterwards or aside from their music education? I see it all the time. And I've sat there and I've just watched kids have fun while learning. And the kid has looked at me and gone, sir, what's the matter? I go, I just love my job. I can't believe this is my job. I'm, I'm watching children have fun and enjoy themselves and be successful before my very eyes. I'm watching people find out how good they are at a subject they had no idea about before my very eyes. And yeah, it does have to be music lessons. Not for everybody. And sometimes it does come a bit later. The amount of conversations I've had with just the public go, oh, I wish I'd learned an instrument. Oh, you know, I did learn piano, but I gave it up when I was 15. It does happen. You discover it later on in life that, oh, actually, music was really cool. But yeah, it does happen every single day in the music classroom. And I'm privileged to be a part of it. Now, I'm going to unpick, and this is possibly, you know, where the, this is the punk in me, I would say, where, where it might, you know, that it might come through. Because, uh, you know, I, um, 
didn't necessarily enjoy music lessons at school, the noise, because particularly at primary school. So, you know, and, and maybe some of my lessons were like you described as a, you know, cacophony of just noise and, and those kind of things. When I was a child, this is, um, I had some tuition. I, you know, I, I was supposed to be learning the violin and was very bad at it. Um, and I did not enjoy that. I did not like that. When I went to secondary school, and it was when I found, you know, and uh, this will date me very much, but when I found Oasis, uh, the band, and uh, as, as a teenager, and found out that the chords to play Oasis songs are incredibly easy on the guitar, um, and picked up an acoustic guitar and, and moved on to electric guitar, teaching myself and through that way, uh, that that's where I found enjoyment and expression and things. But I found that outside of the music lesson and I'm saying that in a in a punk way I you know it didn't I didn't need to read music I didn't need to um work in a group I guess my experience of music in that sense is very different to what the current musical curriculum um is presenting to young people now is that an issue or is that uh you know, a benefit that there are multiple ways to be good at and enjoy music. I think it's a benefit. I absolutely think it's a benefit. Um, I've I've got kids that don't work too well in the classroom because of the noise, like yourself. But get them in a practice room and go right. Here's what you got to do. They're off. You know, I've got people that hated music at school, but like you, discovered a certain artist or a certain band worked out how to play their music and they were off you know self-taught traditional classical training jazz classroom lessons it's, it's, it's all valid and if we had one route if it was all tunnel vision there was one route to success it'd be very boring and you find the, the rate of success to be very very low i love the fact that there are multiple ways of getting a child to achieve music and like for me i just happened to stumble upon the fact that i was good at it you know, if it wasn't for me being awake when I shouldn't have been, maybe it would have taken me a few years to work out that music was my thing. You know, it might take those people in my lessons that maybe don't like the noise to discover when they're on their own, they are actually quite good at music and without the distraction and the noise of other things going around, going on around them, they succeed. So the more roots, the better, in my opinion. Now I'm going to throw at you, you know, the the this is from the National Curriculum in England, um, and I'm going to throw you their kind of um, statement about why you know their curriculum intent for for music, um, and I, what I want to pick apart because I want to ask because for me this feels like they're asking a lot of you as a music teacher, and when the listeners hear it, that you know they'll maybe be able to um, to recognise that or have questions for themselves because I want to understand what that's like, you know, as a a teacher who teaches maybe maths, maybe, you know, th this might be simpler, but here we go. So music is a universal language that embodies one of the highest forms of creativity. A high quality music education should engage and inspire and develop a love of music and their talent as musicians. And so increase their self-confidence, creativity and sense of achievement. As pupils progress, they should develop critical engagement with music, allowing them to compose and listen with discrimination to the best in the musical canon. Now, I'm picking out there, there's you, you're, you have to teach as a teacher, you have to uh, teach creativity, 
you have to be developing their self-confidence uh, you have to make sure you've got a sense of achievement there oh also sorry Gary on that list is you've got to be inspiring them and developing their love of music as well as their talent and uh, you've got to get them to uh, compose and listen with discrimination to the best in the musical canon that sounds like a lot they're asking of you does it feel like that when you're in the classroom uh sometimes <laughs> sometimes <laughs> not all the time because uh, all that stuff you know i i like that description it's a lot i'll agree but the fact they cover quite a lot is, is really good um a lot of the stuff they ask for happens naturally like mm. i don't sit there and go how am i going to get them to be discriminatory to the best of their musical canon today or how am i going to inspire them today it just happens because they are inspired by what they're listening to or they're inspired by watching me play something and go oh my god i want to do that or they're creative because they have to compose a piece of music it all happens within its within a lesson within itself it's not you don't sit there every day and think right how am i going to hit these objectives as long as your you know your lessons are planned well and i like to think you know the majority of mine are being a trainee i won't say i'm perfect but and no teacher ever is to be fair but the majority of mine are and i like to think that those targets happen naturally within most music lessons without people even realizing it but yeah it is a lot when you read it <laughs> yeah you know there's a i was going through and going wow this is you know because there's some big asks there particularly if people potentially have been disengaged with music uh previously at you know at schools and this as a secondary teacher maybe uh is, is something you see you know you don't have to comment necessarily on on your own experience i don't want you to you know put your foot in it with any of your feeder schools but there must be some young people who come to your lessons you know maybe in year seven or maybe maybe older if they've had a bad experience who have already developed a sense that i'm no good at music i can't do music yeah there's loads i mean remember i, I said i asked all of my classes that is that question who here feels they're not good at music and the majority of the children raise their hands because i don't think that it's as accessible in some areas maybe even primary to be honest as it should be i think it's overcomplicated. i mean i i put i can put macbook with GarageBand, which is a digital audio workstation it's a piece of software that you can just record stuff into put like loops of audio that's already been pre-recorded into like a project window and just do what you want with it almost i will go right here's a macbook Here's GarageBand, make me something. You've got an hour. And I'll go, all right. And honestly, this is, I'm not even exaggerating here. I've heard some of the best stuff come out off the back of that. And I go, see, you can do music. Because doing music and achieving musically looks different for everybody and is different for everybody. For me, it was being able to play the piano and uh, work in a band and all this sort of stuff and go on tour and do all these lovely things for some of my students it's been able to sit there and play a little bit of a tune it's been able to sit there and, and use Gary's band confidently um and uh, you know that really uh, interests me about you know unpicking there because when i think of and uh, you know uh, ed sheeran is probably a bad example and when he uses loop pedals because he you know an amazing musical talent there but there are people you know particularly when i think back to maybe my yeah, the, the turn of the 20th century when we were starting to see um, 
uh, UK garage and things like the streets where people were using software to make music in their uh, bedrooms and such like, or even, you know, when I talk about punk and, and picking up a, a guitar, does understanding music as a musician then, or does all of those things about the musical canon, does that make me a better musician by me understanding those things? You know, would the the, the Sex Pistols have been, uh, you know, d- did they develop through their understanding of music? Did, you know, John Lennon do better because he knew Beethoven? Is it is that how music works? Not always. It wouldn't necessarily make you a better musician, but it certainly made music mm. easier for you. Yeah. So if I said to my students, right, play music, I'd be like, what? What do you mean, play music? Um... No, we can't do that. We need more. And I go, oh, yep, sorry. Play this tune that's written out on the Glockenspiels. They go, okay, and do it. So having an understanding of what music is and what it's about does aid in the achievement of it. But I know that there are many famous musicians that have written and recorded and played brilliant music, but their music theory is, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. Hmm. understanding music isn't the be all and end all but as someone who grasped the importance of music theory quite late on i understand why it was pressed upon me so young but because i could play by ear i used to go i don't need to read music i can listen to it, it doesn't matter but ne- honestly i obviously i couldn't do my job without being able to read basic sheet music um and the kids at, at work wouldn't be able at school, sorry, wouldn't be able to achieve basic musicality without reading some sort of sheet music because they need it to understand what they need to play. No, you know, I find it, you know, I, as I say, you know, music is a, effectively a foreign language to me in some senses. So this, this kind of unpicking the nuances of, of kind of how it works and what good music education. And, and maybe we are going to, you know, later on in the show, if you are, if you're listening in live or, or listening back to this as a podcast, um, I, you know, I want to ask some questions about, you know, some of that fear. Can, can anyone teach music? What does good music teaching look like? But before we do, I wanted to ask a question there about, um, musical instruments and opportunities and i know you've talked a bit about the pianos and 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 glockenspiels and the ease of sort of translating music onto that but i I wanted to raise up you know a question a criticism maybe of music education not of music educators but the way our system has created music education um because you know i've got a quote here from the uh, i think the royal society for music saying that children from lower socioeconomic groups continue to be significantly disadvantaged from their peers from more affluent backgrounds when it comes to music um teacher tap the cert- the survey um organization said independent and state funded schools serving more affluent students um have a wide range of musical activities available to students in lunchtime and after schools club by contrast one third of schools that serve the most disadvantaged communities have no musical clubs available to them um does it worry you uh, you know as an educator or a music enthusiast that there is this divide between the kind of musical education that some of the more affluent children are getting compared to maybe what's available to some of the more disadvantaged children. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
equity and you know, equality of opportunities is always at the forefront of, of what discuss as music educators. You know, I, I find it hugely upsetting and, and unfair when I know that there are people who perhaps aren't as privileged as others and they're not getting to experience the the education that others are especially when it comes to music and 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 and, and the way that music is perhaps budgeted in schools is ne is never the same across the board it's never fair you know you, you've got some schools that have got their own music block a whole you know they've got brass band they've got all sorts going on and then you've got other schools that uh, haven't even got a music specialist on staff and that it frustrates me if i'm honest nathan it does and i sit there and i think why why are you denying the young people the future the opportunity to create something or discover something about them they didn't even know they had you know so the social economic divide is is a, is a huge concern um and i'm hoping upon hope that one day things change now you you know you just you, you described a little bit there about you know those kind of opportunities you as a, as as an educator in your idea you know i'm going to pitch you 10 years in the future now and you are the 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 lead of a music department and and you have an unlimited budget at this imaginary school um what what would you be filling? Would, would it literally be, I'm going to have one of every instrument and a class set of these? What would, what, what would you be buying into? So first and foremost, I would, I would have, as I say, one of every instrument. I'd have a class set of blocking fields, a class set of keyboards, a class, a, a MacBook suite with all the latest software. I'd have music specialists coming out of my ear holes not just music specialists, but I'd have music specialists, a lot of them. Um, I would be taking them on the best extracurricular trips that I could find. I would be bringing in the most experienced and talented musicians that I know and could find. I would be ensuring that the sky was the limit in terms of what was available to them. You know, nothing would be broken. We wouldn't be using broken instruments anymore. It just wouldn't happen because it wouldn't if it would if it broke it'd be replaced click of the finger you know we'd have a state of the art studio we'd have a, a really big console we'd have all sorts of people if there was an unlimited budget nathan i'll just create an entire entire school for music that they have to travel down the road to but <laughs> that that obviously you know i'm sorry to burst your proverbial bubble but that unfortunately will never happen it's, it's a shame but yes, there are my bright ideas that will never come to fruition, probably. But there's me being a cynic. No, no, no. You know, I, I, I do find it really interesting. Now, I want to just kind of put out there while we're talking about instruments and such like. Now, as as a primary specialist myself, we, you know, we would have uh, glockenspiels, we would have um, uh, some some other instruments. I forget what they're called now. These tiny little things that were like recorders but weren't recorders, but they were round and you could play them a bit like a recorder. Does that sound familiar? I thought you were describing a recorder then, but no, I'm trying was to it, think. It, 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 they were more circular, but it was played a bit like a. It was very popular, at, you know, at one point. But what they have moved on to a lot that I've noticed, particularly in primary schools, is a move towards ukuleles which is a stringed instrument, which to me, you know, they are very, I can play the ukulele, 
um, as I transferred from a guitar to a ukulele. So, I, I, you know, I find that part quite interesting. But it sounds like that is a potentially a misstep in the, the longer journey from year one to year nine then. What's your opinion on, you know, sort of class sets of ukuleles in primary school as 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 the route as opposed to, um, you know, a class set of uh, xylophones? Uh, well, we have ukuleles available at, at secondary level and we use ukuleles yeah. all the time. Um, oh, okay. But um, is it the most accessible instrument for a primary age pupil to begin music education on? Not in my opinion, no. I would, you said xylophones, glockenspiels, absolutely, start there. Start with a recorder, even if it is the most annoying instrument I've ever heard in my life. I I did actually do some primary music um, a while back, just, um, just to gain some experience in different sectors, and I couldn't stand the sound recorders, but I could understand why they were so important, because they're easy-ish to understand, much like glockenspiels are easy to understand. Ukuleles, not so much, but I can understand where people are coming from because ukuleles are small. They think, okay, they're ideal for little children or small children because they're not big and 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 menacing. They're just tiny. You can hold them in your hands and you can play. And because of the way that a ukulele is tuned, if it's tuned properly, you can literally you don't have to hold down the strings. You can strum it and a, and a chord will come out and that'll be enough for some young people like primary or primary school children. yeah i mean it's certainly i would say it's been for, more forgiving for me the ukulele than it was at primary school i was learning the violin and that was not a pleasant experience for, for anyone in the household or probably anyone in the school as far as a you know a forgiving instrument so I, I i kind of do get that that people are looking for something that you can probably be stand up in an assembly as a group and you won't notice the the kind of missed notes i guess yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the thing. It's about, especially at primary, let's go down the primary route for a minute, but especially at primary level, I think you need to make music look as easy and feel as easy as possible for young children. I mean, you work with them more than I do, but the easiest thing to do, make music easy, make it sound really easy to achieve, and that will unlock the door, if you like, for them to carry on. Whereas if you make it too complicated, They'll go, oh, I don't understand it. I'm, I'm giving up. No, I agree entirely. And I think, you know, that balance. But again, that takes me back to that, you know, your curriculum intent in England for the music curriculum, where you've got a lot of things going on, where you've got, you know, musical ability going up there, which might take you one way, but also you've got self-confidence in there as well, which might, you know, you're kind of spinning a lot of plates for me, it feels like, when, when we're talking about those things. Now, I wanted to move on and ask you, just a couple of questions because you described sort of the music um, canon, maybe it's not the right word, but the the, the kind of uh, uh, songs, the, the genres that you are learning about there. And I wanted to pull on, you know, there, there is always, and, you know, I pulled out an article um, from Classic FM actually about, uh, I was reminded by another host that a little while back we did have a, a little, I think it was 2019, had a little kind of spat going on on edgy Twitter about, um, you know, I, always you know a newspaper will run a headline that we are and i think this one was about the fact that they were replacing beethoven with stormzy on the music curriculum or or in in uh you know in a perceived way people were rewriting and there was a big furore about this now i wanted to ask you as as 
as a musician as well now as a as a teacher i can see cultural value i can see engagement value all of those things as a as a musician is all music equal is there value in all music you know what 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 kind of music should we be trying to get into our curriculum oh christ is all music valuable that's a that's a (laughs) that's a hole to get myself into isn't it um yes all music is valuable all music is valid but oh goodness me gary think how do i sorry i'm just trying to think about how to word this in the right way okay so as a musician i think that all music should be relevant to what the kids know and understand already because it will make it makes it easier for everybody and for me i think the more popular music we introduce the better at key stage three year seven eight nine but for gcse we do need to include those classical composers and those different sort of ideas because they may go and study music at university and it might be a very classically led course they've never been exposed to classical music before they're going to be stuffed so i think it's important but i've found um like my as a teacher my kids engage more with music that they can already sort of get their head around Mm. because i can go yeah but this is like xyz so I actually, funnily enough, that you know, maybe I shouldn't talk about Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran is an example that I use in my lessons because kids understand it and they've heard it before and they learn it quicker because it's there. But all music has a value, yes. Classical music is valuable, jazz is, blues, rock, metal, pop, whatever it may be. Every, every piece of music has its place in the world because at the end of the day, music is an art form. An art form is subjective okay you you know i think you've given me a very solid answer there well i'm going to push on but like you know you know all art is valid all it's expression it's everything when it comes down to technically you know the the technical ability i guess the 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 technical use of them the thing you know the 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 crescendo my only example in this uh, could i deliver that through pop music alone so or, or do i have to dip into those different genres to find all of the different important elements of music you have to use different genres um absolutely mm. um because things like crescendo decrescendo ostinato um ts Piccadilly, all that sort of stuff is more evident in classical music than it is in pop but if i wanted to show dynamics so or texture i want to show what music what a song sounds like with thin texture compared to what it sounds like with thick texture i'd use pop music because i can just say right this is what the song sounds like with just piano and i can find a piano only version somewhere this is what the song sounds like as an acoustic version i can play than that this is what it sounds like as a full band version play than that and go right what's the difference with all these textures which one do you like best why um all that sort of stuff i just think classical music is valid and it's more what's the word i'm thinking of it's it's easier to demonstrate the technical terms using classical music and classical examples than it is using pop but it's easier to demonstrate things like dynamics and those popular to popular music terms within popular music than it is with classical 
Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it does. I think I'm still with you. You know, like, as I say, you know, my music knowledge, we are stretching it to the limit now, which is why I have so many questions and, and, and they probably are, you know, my, my next one. And, and as I say, you know, we, we're really getting into that kind of which musics are, you know, what kind of music should be on the music curriculum. So, you know, we've said we can demonstrate the different techniques, all of those things. What about are there key, as in English, there might be key texts like I should, you know, I would say, you know, every child should have read some Shakespeare. You know, and that's a, that's a kind of cultural value that I've added to it. You know, every child should have read a, um, you know, a piece of uh, modern uh, th- fiction. You know, th- these kind of things. So I'm adding, uh, there might be poems that I have. Is it the same in music? Are there songs that you think um, every child should have access to? For instance, they should have heard this song by Mozart. They should have heard this song by the Beatles. Is is that in existence in music education? Um, I have never said you know that kids need to have listened to this to understand something or to appreciate it, but I do think kids need to have been exposed to bands like the Beatles, to composers like Mozart, to bands like I Prevail, the metal band. Um, to artists, jazz artists like Jamie Cullum, Frank Sinatra, Billie Holiday, all that sort of stuff. Because like your text example with the Shakespeare, it's a cultural sort of staple and it's, it's sort of needed. Within music, those sort of guys and girls are a cultural staple within, within music like yours is in English. Yeah, and so that would be, I guess, more to kind of like to give them cultural capital, we, we used to call this kind of thing, or to give them an understanding of the the world and say, actually, you know, I want to play music like this artist or or in this style. It's to give them that, that breadth of understanding then. Absolutely. And you hit nail on the head with the whole, I want to play music like this artist or I want to play my music in this style. That's what kids need because they can make so much sense of that. I go, I want my song to sound like let's use Storms in the novel. I want my cover to sound like Storms is her. Alright, let's have a listen to a clean version of a Storms song. How can you translate that to what you're doing? And they're, and they're off. Oh, fantastic. Right. Now, we're going to pop quickly to the news, Gary. But when we come back, what I want to ask, and this, you know, I I said, you know, I keep saying this is the hardest question, then I probably go on to even harder questions, which which I know, but I promise, you know, when we come back, and if you're listening in, the, the, the challenges of music education is what I want to unpick with you. The bits where, you know, these are things that are causing problems within teachers lives or within education as a whole and I want to unpick that part of what the problems in music education are and and possibly some solutions so you okay to stick around with us till just after the news absolutely fantastic well we'll see you all just on the other side of the news uh on teachers talk radio this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading! 
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Strike action dominates the news again, with a range of outlets reporting on disputes across England, Wales and Scotland. Whilst the NASUWT union reported 9 out of 10 teachers who voted in a ballot overpay voted in favour of strike action in England and Wales, the union also reported only a 42% turnout. This is below the threshold needed for lawful strike action. The union stated that whilst a strike would now not go ahead, the union remains in formal dispute with the government. The NEU is yet to release the results of its ballot and will also need to reach the 50% member turnout needed for lawful industrial action. In Scotland, the Scottish Secondary Teachers Association has warned of further strike action following walkouts by primary and secondary staff. It says it has no option unless the Scottish Government puts forward a suitable pay offer. The EIS union and Scottish NASUWT members also aim to continue with strike action until an agreement is reached. Scottish Education Secretary Sherman Somerville maintains that the demand for a 10% pay rise continues to be unaffordable. Meanwhile, the University and College Union has announced 15 new strike days planned across 150 UK universities in February and March. It has said that a pay offer worth between 4 and made during recent talks is not enough, although the group representing university employers says that the offer is actually worth up to 7%. This comes after the government announced that tuition fees in England will be frozen for another two years. Although this is good news for students, the strikes mean more disruption to courses already affected by the pandemic. However, the National Union of Students has been broadly supportive of the industrial action at least so far. Away from strike action, there have been further stories focusing on what should be taught in schools. This time, the focus is on educating pupils in the dangers of social media in spreading messages that are misogynistic and deeply toxic. The HuffPost website reports on Labour MP Alex Davy-Jones, who called in Parliament for ministers to do more to stamp out Andrew Tate-style misogyny and to stop boys being brainwashed. The MP asked what was being done to tackle radicalisation of young men. But PM Rishi Sunak responded that he was proud that this government launched the world-leading, world-first online safety bill. He also made reference to the autumn statement announcement of £2 billion of extra funding to schools. Although he did not respond with any direct reference to Tate, the online safety bill is expected to complete its final stages in the Commons shortly before heading to the House of Lords. New figures released recently show that school absences in December were almost double the annual rate and that this was due to illness. The absence rate, as reported in the Evening Standard, was 14.3% across state schools in the week beginning December the 12th, an increase from 7.8% across the year. The Department for Education in England said the increase was due to a rise in sick days as a result of winter illnesses such as flu, as well as COVID-19 and strep A infections such as scarlet fever. In the Channel Island of Jersey, BBC News reports that the government has brought in 11 UK supply teachers to cover for absent staff. The short-term and long-term measures have been put in place due to staffing shortages, and the supply teachers will cover for up to two terms. 
Short-term housing has been organised for those travelling to the island. The Jersey government said the current vacancy rate for Jersey was 4.3%, but that the long-term plan was to train, recruit, retain and upskill school staff. Finally, the Meanwhile in the Middle East section of the CNN website reports on the United Arab Emirates plan to become the first Arab nation to teach about the Holocaust in its schools. The move has been praised by some and criticised by others. The nation revealed its plans in a recent tweet and intends to include Holocaust education in both primary and secondary schools. The UAE says it will work with Tel Aviv and Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Jerusalem, to help build the new curriculum. Whilst many see the move as part of the normalisation of relations with Israel, critics suggest that it does not reflect all of those living in the UAE, with many disagreeing with this policy. Full details of the story can be found on the CNN website, with comments on both sides explored in detail. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, let's start the new year with investigating the power of artificial intelligence in education. A lot of people are asking, does your school block chat GPT? First of all, what is it? Chat Generative Pre-trained Transformer, or GPT for short, is a piece of software designed to mimic talking to a person. The difference is, this person is super clever, and it's been trained by thousands of conversations in the past, and it remembers them all. There are lots of chatbots out there. GPT popular with young people as the answers it gives are not only correct but can be slightly different each time so it's more difficult for a teacher to spot a copy and paste homework. Let's put it to the test with a couple of school questions. I'm using a screen reader to represent ChatGPT to give it a voice. Responses are usually in text and appear as if they're being typed really quickly. I asked what are the registers in a processor and I got Registers are a type of memory that is built into the central processing unit, CPU, of a computer. They are used to store data and instructions that the CPU needs to access quickly in order to perform its functions. There are different types of registers, each with a specific purpose. For example, the instruction register stores the current instruction that the CPU is executing, while the program counter register stores the address of the next instruction to be executed. I'll stop GPT there as three paragraphs were given in this answer, and it's only a one on two mark question. So I asked, can you tell me in two sentences? And I got... Registers are small, high-speed memory units built into the central processing unit, CPU, of a computer that are used to store data and instructions. They allow the CPU to access and manipulate data and instructions quickly, enabling it to carry out complex tasks at high speeds. Well, thank you, GPT. That's much more to the point. Powerful, right? How about, can you summarise Of Mice and Men? Of Mice and Men is a novella by John Steinbeck, published in 1937. It tells the story of George Milton and Lenny Small, two displaced migrant ranch workers during the Great Depression in California. Despite their apparent differences, the two men are deeply bonded and rely on each other for companionship and support. The novella ends tragically when Lenny, a simple-minded man with a love for soft things, accidentally kills a ranch owner's wife while trying to touch a soft dress, and George is forced to make the difficult decision to euthanize Lenny before he can be punished for the crime. That's fantastic. However, there's some words in there that are quite big, and my teacher would be quite suspicious that I copied and pasted it. So I'll ask, can you summarize Of Mice and Men simply? Of Mice and Men is a story about two ranch workers, George and Lenny, who are traveling together and looking for work during the Great Depression. Lenny is a large, simple-minded man with a love for soft things, and George is his caretaker and protector. Despite their differences, the two men are deeply bonded and rely on each other for companionship and support. However, their relationship is ultimately tested when Lenny accidentally kills a ranch owner's wife, and George is forced to make a difficult decision to protect Lenny from the consequences of his actions. 
that's more like it. Now my homework's done, I think I just bought myself some more time on my games console. As always, I'd love to hear what you want to know about tech. Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea. Welcome to Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. And tonight I'm joined by musician and music educator Gary Cunningham. Uh, We're talking music for life. What does good music education look like? We've talked about what instruments should children be learning and we've talked about what songs should be on the curriculum. I did say, if you were with us before the break, that we would be talking about the challenges faced by music teachers and music education in general and the things that might be able to solve. So if you have any questions, you can tweet them live. We are live in the Podbean app. Uh, you can text them into us there. You can tweet us at TT Radio Official. Or, of course, if you're listening back as a podcast, you can message us on our social media platforms to join the conversation as well and share your thoughts. Now, welcome back, Gary. Still with us? Still with you. Fantastic. I do like it panics me at that point, I must say, coming back after the news. <laughs> and, and that was a particularly hard news to, to listen to with this. Stephen, the two minute tech there with chat GTP reading out the answers. Uh, you know, I am thankful it, it, it would beat me hands down on an English paper. It, it still won't beat me talking out in front of a class, though. So thankfully, it's not going to take my job just yet. Um, yeah. Now, I said I said that we were you know, going to be talking about some of the challenges now. From my point of view, from a primary perspective, um, and it'd be interesting to get your, your your thoughts on this. One of the biggest challenges that you know a primary education for music faces is sort of teacher confidence, but also tied into that teacher ability, because certainly throughout my training, English, maths as a primary school teacher, those things were there. Geography was there. History was there. Science, you know, all of those things were there. Music. Was, was I did a PGC and was a couple of hours. So, you know, one of the questions for me around, you know, what can we do to uh, from a primary level is is that um, that that teacher ability is non-specialist teaching it. But I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about the challenges faced by music education at a secondary level. So, I think the biggest challenge for us at secondary level is the timetable situation and the lack of face-to-face time we have with our students we have one lesson a week whereas most you know most what you call core subjects have the multiple times a week and i know obviously the core subjects are very important and they're core for a reason um but when, when we only see them once a week it's sometimes really challenging to get them to where they're supposed to be or to keep them engaged to help them remember where, what they did last week for me to remember some of their names you know it's it's very frustrating for me when i've been teaching these kids for for since september and sometimes i have to really think like, you use a seat plan to remember names 
Mm. And sometimes it can be really difficult to build those relationships with the kids because you only see them once a week. And they don't see it as something as important as English, maths and science. Whereas I think education as a whole is important. Every subject on a timetable has its own has its own importance and its own value in the world. I mean, obviously, you can't put music and drama and art and food and all that stuff two, three times a week. It's just not enough hours in the day for it. But do I think that, especially at year nine, when we're priming them for GCSE, do, you, do I think that it should be upped to twice a week for some groups? Absolutely. And, you know, I find that, um, you know, that you're really, you know, interesting to take that time of it. Because, you know, I'm going to put this out there. One of the things that I thought must be incredibly challenging at a secondary school, I mean, it is a primary school, but at a secondary school particularly, would, would be something like uh, behaviour management around music is 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 that difficult in the classroom so you know if you're getting out the instruments as you say you know there can be a lot of noise oh yes and uh, (laughs) i've learned a lot about behavior management particularly in music environments Mm. um and it's very different to because obviously before i land this disc job which i'm really loving i was a supply teacher for secondary for quite some time to get some classroom experience and it's a lot simpler in my head to manage the behavior in a normal quote-unquote classroom than it is in a music classroom because when you give a child instrument they will either play it properly or they will use it in another inappropriate way and you have to really manage that and it's the noise it's uh getting them to stop when you need them to stop it's just it's rejecting your voice over the noise that they're making it can be very tiring on the voice um thankfully i'll come up with some techniques to stop me from having to shout five four three two one over keyboards and glockenspiels and drums and everything else but yeah behavior management in the music classroom can be challenging yeah um, and I, I wanted to ask about, you know, and this kind of ties into the primary as well, but also ties into your comment there about sort of, you know, supply and those kind of things around music education. And and now, obviously, you know, in our ideal world, a, a, a talented, trained music teacher who, who is a talented musician themselves is our ideal. But can or is there are there elements is there space in music education and i hope so at primary particularly but you know there, there must sometimes be occasions where your class needs to be covered by maybe a non-specialist maybe a, a a supply teacher is that possible within a subject like music yeah it's, it's possible because what happens then um is that we give them something music related but we're not doing practical tasks mm. so um i i had to be be covered a little while back i had to, i was off uh for a little while because i was unwell over over winter um and i had them create it like design their own concert or design their own cd and things like that it was all relating to music but there was no getting out instruments and things like that because if they needed their ukulele or guitar tuned and things like that or their bass guitar tuned a supply to non-specialist through no fault of their own, is not going to know how to do that. And, you know, and, and another thing that, you know, interests me about music, and, and um, maybe there is a different perspective here at, at primary and at secondary, about how far ahead of the students 
you you know you need to be in your in your musical ability um and you know to at that level so this might be a strange i'm trying to word it in the correct way but how good a musician does a music teacher need to be at key stage three um you need basic piano skills Mm. at best and in an ideal world to be able to play the basics of a second instrument um that's like being ideal but definitely some some well thought out and well practiced piano skills for sure um second instrument is a is a desired thing it's not it's not a prerequisite in my opinion and you know and as far as that sort of goes then if you know if we're tracking back down you know is there or do you see as 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 young people come up to you that there is a need for more music specialism and i ask this question because you know at different times in the primary stage we've had um things where music has been taken over by a music specialist and that you know maybe from the local authority or someone hired in and then that will disappear again or you know maybe the class teacher would be expected to teach that what's your opinion on on sort of the at the primary level then how it's being delivered um potentially by people you know like myself with, with no real musical talent whatsoever i mean I've got a lot of friends who are primary school teachers, um, yeah. and a few of them teach me. Have, have got to teach music, and they've come running to me. They've gone, Gary, I've got to teach music this time. What do I do? I'm panicking. I've never done it before. And I just go, Kiranga, musical context. They're your best friends, because mm. obviously, as a music specialist, I can pull a lesson out of my head pretty much. And it will it will cover everything that needs to be covered. I can change my lesson on the fly should I need to. If the practice rooms are being used by GCSE students, for example, and I was going to do ensemble work, can't do that anymore. Right, let's go to the keyboard room instead and do that instead. Whereas a non-specialist would be like, ah, the practice rooms aren't available. What now? So I think it's not uh, being a specialist at a primary level. Yeah, it would be lovely. In in our little rosy world, we were discussing before the break about. If you had the budget and money was endless and the world was spun in the right direction all the time, what could you have? Yeah, I would love for every primary school to have a specialist music lead. Absolutely, but that is not the case. But there are lots and lots of resources available now to help those primary school teachers that are having to teach a subject that is very specialist and that they're not a specialist in. So it's not impossible. Not impossible. No, I quite like that. You know, and when, and when I think, you know, I think that, you know, the primary school is very different. There are, you know, there, there, are, there are different expectations. I think my worry always with those things is, you know, when we get to the point that maybe we are harming the opportunities when we pass them on to our secondary colleagues that, you know, we haven't maybe given them that opportunity. But I think hopefully, you know, if we if as long as they still have the enjoyment of music they still have a love for music and, and they still have the opportunity you know then i i think that's a you know a, a really solid start for us when we when we pass them on to secondary i, I wanted to ask you you know we, we've talked to you know a lot about key stage uh one and two key stage three particularly as well you know and the the, the things that young people are doing the the, the the music the opportunities and all of those parts now 
what I wanted to get from you and you know, I, oh, we just had a message in, so I'll read that first before I ask you sort of my, my next question. But we've had there from one of our listeners just saying they're primary music specialists here. And while it's great, the teachers sometimes think they don't have to engage. If I'm not there, music doesn't happen and it shouldn't be like that. Now, that's a, a comment from one of our listeners. And it does actually tie into sort of where my next question was going which is the musical life of a school. And this is kind of where I wanted to, to kind of, you know, start when we wrap up the show and we are coming towards the end now, but that musical life of a show, because I, I wonder, and maybe your perspective on this might be different, but um, for me, we often talk about reading through the curriculum, you know, like, and you'll hear in secondary schools as well, where we're talking about, you know, staff meetings where we're, we're all teachers of reading. We're, we're all teachers of writing. Music in itself, then with uh, assemblies, with concerts, all of those things, to me, seems like it, it, it's almost bigger than the subject. Is, is that your experience of music as a, as a sort of musician and a music educator? Is what my experience, sorry, repeat that question, sorry. <laughs> is Does music stop at your classroom door? No. And, and then, yeah, and so, you know, those opportunities throughout, how do we see it then? How do we grow it? Uh, you know, for instance, do you communicate with other subject teachers? Are there links there? Or is it through the assemblies and the music that they walk into? How do you reach outside of your music lessons? It's... For us, it's about liaising with other performing arts subjects first and foremost, because obviously that is our that's our bracket. Mm. So um, at the moment, I know that one of my uh, colleagues in drama is doing musical theatre. So of course, it makes sense for that to be carried through in music uh, within English uh, poetry. Kids say, "Oh, I can't write a poem." Well, you can write a song in music. Mr. Cunningham has told me. So what's different? It's because a song without without music behind it, and that that they link it. So I think those extracurricular, those cross curricular links are really important. It doesn't stop at the classroom door. There are opportunities. We do a lot of culture based stuff at school, and obviously music comes under that as well. Music from different cultures. We have like cultural assemblies, culture dance, all sorts. Um, and there's all sorts of, they don't necessarily walk into music um, during assemblies, but there's always, for, for a while, when I first joined school, our bell, our school bell, was classical music. Ooh. What song? That was really nice. You know, or, or mixed songs? There was, there was lots. Oh, okay. So like a different, a, a different tune. I was thinking there, and I, and I have to say, at primary school, you know, that is music walking in, and and I, I imagine at secondary school less so singing in assembly, but music singing in assemblies is a massive part of education lower down the school. And you talk about school choirs as well. Yeah, there's lots of there's there's school choirs attached to my school in in primary. The the singing assemblies. A, a colleague of mine used to be a, a year four teacher, and he was the music lead because he's a drama specialist. He thought, right, you're performing arts, so you know you can be music lead. Um, and he usually singing assemblies. He took um a group of kids to the big sing at the O2, which is a massive sort of school singing festival that. Uh, that a company puts on, but the name escapes me now. Um, so I, f I feel like because 
at a secondary level, there's more extracurricular opportunities and there's more peripatetic instrumental lesson opportunities. There's less of the whole singing assemblies and different things like that. I feel like it's in the department, but as a department, we make sure that we push the music agenda quite quite a lot. And to be honest, our music department is like a revolver of a break time and a lunchtime. And as annoying as it can get, the kids knocking on the door to come in when we want to eat at lunch, it's also brilliant. So I'm like, you know what? I would rather this than be sat here and no kids in what they've got available to them, no kids accessing the provision, no kids unlocking their talent. And, you know, yeah, you know, that is my, I have seen that so many times. And, uh, you know, even myself, I have to say, you know, by the time I was at sixth form, you know, I was spending every break and lunchtime in the, in, in one of the, the practice studios with a group of friends playing music as a band. And, you know, that, that was, you know, a lovely part of that experience. I'm going to ask as, you know, as we wrap up, because, you know, we will have people listening here from, you know, primary from across subjects as well, who, who can potentially help out uh, your subject, your your area of the profession, what would you like, you know, either music teachers or all teachers to take away and, you know, maybe think about when, when they come to school tomorrow, um, that would benefit the opportunities or, or just music education in general for the young people they work with? What can we all do? Just remember the phrase that, you know, music makes the world go round. And it is a universal language and it is paramount. Um, and it, it, it's a really good tool to engage those kids that are a little bit difficult at times because, you know, if, they're, if you're learning a poem, for example, and they're not quite understanding, get them to clap out the rhythm. It, they'll, soon, they'll soon click on. There's a reason why we have nursery rhymes um for like and like happy birthday and things like why everything revolves around song because song is memorable music is memorable that's what i'd like them to remember fantastic now gary thank you so much for coming on and like sharing your experience i know you know a busy day for you busy day for all teachers start of the year um so it's been absolutely wonderful to kind of pick your brains and find out a little bit more about it so, so thank you so much for coming on i've really enjoyed it nathan thank you for having me no, it's been wonderful. And it, it's also nice to speak to someone with a similar accent oh, as well. Yes. You know, so, you know, remind, reminds me very much of being back home. So, um, yeah, great to hear from you. I will say, if you're listening to us, don't forget, you can continue this conversation. Um, you know, tweet us at TT Radio Official, um, even after the show, even if you're listening back to this as a podcast. I will say, you know, there are more shows on later tonight. If you're listening live, nine o'clock, we've got another show coming for you on Teacher Talk Radio. And, of course, throughout the rest of the week as well our shows are popping up every day you know and uh well worth a listen all kinds of different topics and the most important part is that if you have found this as a podcast through itunes through spotify through any of those things you can go to ttradio.org slash listen back where there is a search feature and you can type into that search bar anything you like you could type in music and it would come up with all of the shows that we've had on over a thousand shows where music has been a, uh, a key word within the description. You could type in behavior, you could type in anything you want at ttradio.org slash listen back. That search feature is really a useful tool if you're looking for something specific. If you're just looking to join us and tune in and talk it out, nine o'clock, there'll be another show live for you. And good night. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Nathan.
And from here in South Wales, we say Nostar, which is good night. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.